0: Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the Daily Chicago News and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. It is Thursday, February 28th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarovsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome Lynn Sweet of the Chicago Sun-Times. We also welcome the union man, Ed Maher, and Chicago reader columnist, Maya Dubasova. And now, your host, also a Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Ben Hello,
1: everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Sleezoid Thursday. And here's why. Big day yesterday, everybody. We completed our first show at the Suntime Studio. Yay, yay, good for us. Woo, woo, woo. After which, after the show, the techies gathered. They came into the studio to talk things over with Dr. D. Man, you got to see these guys to believe them. Let's give them a shout out. Sean, JP, Blake, Matt, Vince, Brian, and Jeff. Hey, guys. Talking geeky computer stuff with Dennis. Oh, the plug goes here. The button goes there. Man, they might as well be talking Greek as far as I'm concerned. I didn't understand a word they were saying. Yeah, me either. I <laughs> I'm from
0: Southern
1: Illinois, <laughs> huh? <laughs> and you were having a conversation with them.
0: Guys, I went to community college. Slow down.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, he ha- he is a graduate of radio school. Don't be so immodest, there, young man. Anyway, I thought I'd gone back in time to the A.V. Club at Evanston High School. Half expected Yoda from the old show to wander in with a Star Wars lunchbox to Yoda. say, <laughs> hanging out? Neato. I'll hang out. Meanwhile, over in Washington, D.C., it was total Sleezoid city as Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former fixer, spilled his guts to a Congressional Oversight Committee. Here are just some of the highlights from the front page of the New York Times. These are just bullet points. I'll oh, show bullet.
0: those listeners that newspaper, could you please? A real newspaper, See that,
1: Millennials, are you watching? Oh, wait. We're on the TV. They can't see. Our well, if you were watching, them. it's a newspaper. They call it a newspaper because it's news on paper. Anyway, here we go. He is a racist, he is a con man, and, is he a, and he is a cheat. I have lied, but I am not a liar. I have done bad things, but I am not a bad man. <laughs> he asked me to pay off an adult film star with whom he had an affair and, lie, and wanted me to lie to his wife about it, which I did. The he, of course, is Donald Trump. Mr. Trump knew of and directed the Trump-Moscow negotiations throughout this campaign and lied about it. He lied about it because he never expected to win. I am ashamed of my weakness and misplaced loyalty." These are just some of the highlights of Michael Cohen's testimony in Congress. Cohen, as you know, did a total 180. He had been a fervent Trump loyalist for years. And then he saw the light when the feds came a-calling with their indictment for perjury. Now he's like a cultist who woke up after 20 years in a cult and says, Oh my goodness, what have I done with my life? Meanwhile, speaking of cultists, the Republicans on the Congressional Committee didn't budge in their eye-glazing defense of Trump. Cohen warned them, too. He said this. This may have been my favorite quote from yesterday's hearing. He said, quote, I did the same things you are doing for 10 years. I protected Mr. Trump for 10 years. People who follow Mr. Trump blindly will suffer the same consequences I'm suffering, meaning he's facing about three to five years in the federal penitentiary for lying to Congress. Here's the big difference, in my humble opinion, between Michael Cohen and the Republican congressman. Cohen defended Trump because he was a true believer. He was a groupie. He worshiped the Trump brand. He thought that hanging out with Donald Trump and being Trump's fixer, he would be part of that rich, cool set. The Republican congressman, I'm not sure they love Trump so much as they love themselves. And they're looking out for number one. As long as their Republican base, as long as Republican voters in US of A remain Cohen-like, In their love for Donald Trump, the congressman, the Republican congressman in Washington, will not sway. It's crude, and it's crass, and it's sleazy. Give me the guys from the A.V. Club (laughs) any time. We got a great show today, everybody. Lynn Sweet will be uh, calling in from Washington. It's the Sun-Times legendary Washington reporter calmness, and we'll be talking more about Michael Cohen and the impact. In 2 o'clock, big Eddie Maher will be here, union man from Local 150, talking union, talking politics. A lot of... Uh, conversation about what went down on Tuesday here in Chicago. And at 2.30, my partner in crime from from the uh, reader, uh, Maya Dukmasova, will be in here. We'll be talking about uh, uh, the election. I think Maya's also going to weigh in on Michael Trump. One of my favorite things that happened yesterday. Michael the, Trump. Did I say Michael Trump? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I
0: blended Cohen and Trump. <laughs> it came out Michael That's Trump. The last thing Michael Cohen <laughs> wants you to do right now.
1: Cohen still, I think, has like a little crush on Trump.
0: Just a little bit. Oh,
1: he's cool. Yeah, I got my MAGA hat <laughs> under my car seat. You know, it's so weird to think that Cohen thought Trump was cool. But, you know, I think he uh, threw it all away because, you he know, he's a really cool guy. I'll hang out with him, you know, and. <laughs> Hang out with starlets. Anyway, there was this, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Lynn Patton moment yesterday. We'll talk about that later um, with Dennis, uh, Lynn Patton's great moment uh, in the spotlight yesterday. So anyway, Maya will be in about 2.30. Maya, Lynn Sweet, Ed Maher, great show. Talking politics, 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 and more politics. But before we get to any of that, Dr. D's. We got
0: the news. Hey, guys. My name's Dennis. How's it going? All right. It's the middle of the day. Let's talk about the national news happening this afternoon. Oh, this flip-floppy, weird <laughs> relationship our country has with North Korea. It's Ooh. Summit Slam, round two, between President Donald Trump and Supreme Leader, that's what he likes to be called, Supreme Leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, and yeah, just like the first time, the second summit between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un ended with no deal. What happened, Donald? Come on, art of the deal, right, dude? Come on, what happened? No, sadly, the two could not come to an agreement on the central issues of disarmament and sanctions relief. Here's Trump with Kim Jong-un by his side after the meeting. Low to BS in three, (laughs) two, one. We had a very successful first summit. I felt it was very successful. And some people
2: would like to see it go quicker. I'm satisfied, you're satisfied. We want to be happy with what we're doing, but I thought the first summit was a great success, and I think this one hopefully
0: will be equal or greater than the first, and we made a lot of progress, and I think the biggest progress was our relationship is really a good one.
1: All right, how many people out there really believe that their relationship is really a good one? He's my buddy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) we I go, he goes, my buddy.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I, uh, listen, I'm not one of these Democratic uh, Trump haters who wants Trump to lose uh, in every single instance. I think it it would be very helpful to put it mildly if we could denuclearize uh, any part of the world. And uh, so if they if they could legitimately come to an agreement that would reduce the number of nukes in that uh, part of the world, I would love it. But I, uh, Dr. D, have not at any moment believe that this was a legitimate negotiation. I've always thought this was sort of like a reality TV show uh, between people who sort of cut cut from the same cloth, Uh, the supreme leader indeed. I think Donald Trump thinks of himself also as the supreme leader of Trump world, which unfortunately at this moment includes 90% of all Republicans in the United States who have like a Michael Cohen-like love and adoration for Donald Trump. So I do not have much faith A dentist that anything will come out of this of substance and I know Trump was really irritated to no to no ends to to realize that Michael Cohen's testimony which was happening at roughly the same time uh, was uh, diverting attention uh, from his grand summit so he's going to come back and what's going to talk about it and all he's going to do is continue to face federal and congressional investigations
0: into his uh, alleged wrong deals now uh, there are no plans at the moment for a third summit but the U.S. has expressed willingness to continue talks at a lower level.
1: Oh, yeah. And if at any point uh, Donald Trump needs a distraction, you could bet it'll go to the upper level. He'll try it again. Uh, let's meet in uh, hmm,
2: Hawaii this time. You know? Well, another other news nationally. I pled guilty in federal court to felonies for the benefit of, at the direction of, and in coordination with individual number one. And for the record. Uh-oh. Individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. (laughs) Bam! Slammed him! I love how
1: he does the Donald J. Trump.
0: Uh, Donald John Trump. Let's get that J out there. <laughs> the Michael Cohen here continues. Yeah, uh, the former attorney of Donald Trump from 2006 until May 2018 continues. And yes, this man came out swinging, unloading a ton of disclosed alleged details on the president yesterday. Here are the highlights from Cohen's testimony yesterday.
2: He asked me to pay off an adult film star with whom he had an affair and to lie about it to his wife which I did, and lying to the First Lady is one of my biggest regrets. The President of the United States thus wrote a personal check for the payment of hush money as part of a criminal scheme to violate campaign finance laws. He would look me in the eye and tell me there's no Russian business, and then go on to lie to the American people by saying the same thing. In his way, he was telling me to lie to be clear, Mr. Trump knew of and directed the Trump-Moscow negotiations throughout the campaign and lied about it. He lied about it because he never expected to win. I also knew that nothing went on in Trump world, especially the campaign, without Mr. Trump's knowledge and approval. So I concluded that Don Jr. was referring to that June 2016 Trump Tower meeting about dirt on hillary with the russian representatives when he walked behind his dad's desk that day and that mr trump knew that was the meeting don jr was talking about when he said that's good let me know questions have been raised about whether i know of direct evidence that mr trump or his campaign colluded with russia i do not
1: cohen Cohen i all right let's just get something established right up front. And uh, I'm looking right now at a column in today's um, Chicago Sun-Times, my beloved bright one. Show this to the cameras. That oh, is wait. a newspaper,
0: guys. <laughs> it's a different
1: newspaper than the one I was waving before to the non-existent cameras. You think I'd catch on that there's no cameras here? <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, S.E. Cop, I've uh, re- alluded to her many times. She, of course, is a conservative columnist. And our column appears in the Sun-Times think once a week. And the headline reads, Remember, Michael Cohen is a convicted liar. And uh, this is absolutely true, folks. You uh, have to present pretend that you're jury juror, jurors on a jury, and you're listening to conflicting testimony. And absolutely, everyone involved is a liar. They lie, okay. And so you have to decide in your mind which liar is telling even like the closest semblance of the truth. All right. So it's listen. I thought Michael Cohen was a sleazy liar back in the day when he was defending Trump. So if I were to sit here, Dennis, and just flip <laughs> right now, just flip, I'm gonna forget everything I thought from know, you know, a Oh, I love that guy, No, it's true, you know, he is a liar. And he spent uh, how many years, 12, 15 years in the service of another liar. And because he, he really believed in him. I do believe that he was like a cultist, D. I thought he like, his eyes glazed and he wanted to be part of that crowd. I saw the same thing happen to Chicago City Council in the 1980s when all these drab, ordinary aldermen you know, who had just had nothing closely resembling coolness suddenly attached themselves to a couple of aldermen, Eddie Verdoeck and Eddie Burke, because they thought they were cool. I thought they were hanging around in Vegas with Sinatra. It was the Rat Pack. You know, like, I'm with somebody who's cool, so I'm cool. It's kind of how I feel like hanging out with you and Miles. Oh, you know what I mean? That was nice. <laughs> you guys are cool. I'm hanging out yeah. with them. I'm cool.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So that's how Cohen thought about uh, Donald Trump. So, yes, he lied. He lied continually. He was a hatchet man. He was a fixer. He was a a bully. He did it all on behalf of Donald Trump. And now with his, you know, his neck is in the noose, he's flipped. So you have to decide which part of what he's saying is true. And folks, I got to tell you, I think what he was saying yesterday is about 90% truth. And what he was saying before was the lies. Now, do I say that because I want to believe that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I still stand by it. D, I
0: think he was telling the truth yesterday and was lying before. Anyway. Well, today's portion of the hearing is a closed-door session. We do have an update, though. Uh, Republicans are asking for an investigation of Cohen. (laughs) That's it. I know. Let's
1: investigate Cohen, who's about to go to jail or prison for three years, as opposed to investigating the man who's the president of the United States, who may have colluded with the Russians to become president. We don't want to investigate him. We're going to investigate this guy who's going to be
0: at Sing Sing. Two of the president's closest allies claim to have evidence that Uh, Trump's former fixer uh -uh. committed perjury.
1: (laughs) When? They all committed perjury. He admitted to committing perjury. Uh oh, there we go. I am going to do an investigation on whether the sun rises in the east. Okay, anything to avoid an investigation of Donald John Trump. That's my favorite part where he goes, Donald J. Trump. So, I know. Like, you know, the. Dun, dun, so that we're not confusing him with any other Trump.
0: Now we will try our best to keep you informed if any Cohen hearing updates become available, like that one we just By the gave. way, what could they possibly be saying in, in closed hearing that we couldn't hear? Right. I mean,
1: there's so much sleaziness that's already out there. The the, the part which you said where he, his greatest regret, one of his greatest regrets is lying to Melania. Why is that a greater regret than ever? He lied to cover up the fact that Trump was playing around. Okay, folks. How many... I know most of you out there have to believe that. Even Republicans out there. I know there's some of you out there are listening. Hey, Republicans, how's it going? <laughs> I know that you're listening. Come on, guys. You know how many people, how many men that I've known have lied to cover up their dirty dealings? Or they've tried to force their... Have you ever had a situation like this, D? Where a friend of yours says, hey, look, uh, my wife is going to ask where I was last week. Say you're with me. Oh, yeah. Or you had the other one? Where like, the, the you don't get the... The warning, and then somebody's wife says to you, "Oh, so I heard you went out with Billy Bob last week." Oh uh, no! And then Billy Bob's looking at you like, "No, man, no." <laughs>
0: Lion, no, Lion
1: uh, Brian's what I call them, the huh? Brian. So then you're sitting there, panic stricken. What am I supposed to say? Uh, where did we go? Where? Where did you? Like you're looking at Billy Bob, like I'm going to kill you, man. <laughs> Come on, we all know. We all know that Cohen lied to Melania. We all believe that, all right? Come on, Republicans.
0: Even you, even you, S.E. Cup. I am undecided. They're both Big S.E. Cup fan, Vendrovskis. All right, but well, we That's will try right. to keep you informed on all that. Benny J., let's put the Cohen aside for a minute. Oh, I can't. I love talking about Cohen. Well, you better right. put it aside okay, because please. I got one question for you here. Yes, sir. You ready to find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois? I was born ready. Love that answer. (laughs) Fantastic answer. Because coming up after the little break we have here, people, we are going to find out what else is news. I
1: cannot wait. This is my favorite part of the day where the doctor does his doctor thing. Let's see what it is when we return.
0: Not a doctor. (laughs) If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show... And who wouldn't? Contact Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. That's Paul dot com. To advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show take it away benny j all
1: right we are back we never lie on the ben jarofsky show unlike michael cohen and donald j trump donald john trump anyway we're gonna take a little move from
0: the national let's go to local news what you got for me d yes people are about to find out what's going on locally and today is our first of many stories to come involving our chicago mayoral runoff election april 2nd and this one involves one important question Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot? Mm. Which candidate is more progressive? Mm. Let's take the deep dive. It's time for What Else's News. <laughs> oh, we got a. Oh, yeah. I was going to do a little sound effect there, but I'm still trying to figure this board out. Let's just get right into the news. Quick,
2: call Sean in. (laughs) John, no, we're good. Sean, we're good.
0: Don't come in here. Don't come in, Sean. We're fine. By the way, uh, hang out on the live chat. We got a live chat going right now on the Benjiroski Show uh, YouTube page. Uh, I think uh, one person said, "Welcome back." Thanks. Welcome back, Connor, man. Yeah. Yeah. All Mm -hmm. right. So let's do uh, what else is news here. Uh, Yes, place your bets. We're in a runoff, people. The Chicago mayoral election is now down to two candidates. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, and former prosecutor, as well as former president of the Chicago Police Board, Lori Lightfoot. Now, funny thing about our final two candidates, both are running on a progressive platform. Mm -hmm. And that's a win-win if you were to ask us uh, here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. But which one is more progressive is the question here. We have an interesting story from the Illinois Political Bulldogs over at Illinois Politico to share with all of you. But before we get into that, Ben Jarofsky, it's time for me to pick that... Oddly, gigantic, (laughs) brain full of Chicago politics. Uh, My first question here, according to Ben Jarofsky, because, yes, there are still people in the city of Chicago who still don't know what the hell this means. Ben, what is a progressive? Wow. That is a very difficult. How much time we have?
2: (laughs) Not that much. We have three hours? No. no. No.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Listen, progressive, in my humble opinion is a word that uh, has been abused and misused uh, here in the city of Chicago for definitely the last, well, year. Uh, this goes back to the, the uh, gubernatorial campaign. We talked about this all the time. Uh, in the old days, and I'm going back to the last century, we were known as liberals, liberals. And at some point, liberal became a bad term that nobody wanted to be associated with, even liberals. And so somehow during uh, over the years, it evolved into progressive because that was less of a pejorative. And it seemed to have a greater positive resonance. Uh, And so uh, in the city of Chicago, where we're mostly Democrat, 84. to 85% in any uh, presidential election, the city votes uh, Democratic. Uh, there was uh, a need to somehow or other distinguish yourself from the policy of mayors uh, like Daly and Emanuel who had sort of Republican light policies that they were implementing. And so people in Chicago who wanted to distinguish themselves from Rahm and Richard M. Daley uh, called themselves progressives because they didn't want to call themselves liberals uh, because liberal had a bad uh, standing. And so over time, everybody wanted to be a progressive because it seemed like that was the cool thing to be. And so it has pretty much lost all meaning. If I view progressive as standing up against, on a local level, standing up against regressive policies, and by regressive I mean dividing up the pie so the wealthier get more and the poor and the middle class get less and have to pay uh, proportionally more in taxes to fund the whole thing. If I view progressive as somebody who stands up uh, against that policy, there very, very few progressives, I can tell you right now, in this city, because most of them were silent in the uh, early part of this decade when Rom marched in and started um, raising fines and fees and championing tax breaks for wealthy corporations corporations. corporations and doling out diff tiff deals uh, to the well-to-do so d progressive is a term that's intended here in the city of chicago to camouflage the cowardice of people who will refuse to take a stand against regressive policies and it's pretty much lost all meaning
0: so there you are ben's take on what a progressive is now believe it or not there are groups of people in chicago who uh, aren't too fond of the progressive platform or the progressive way in fact some of these uh, groups want to know which of the two mayoral candidates are more progressive mainly so they know who not to vote for <laughs> you know what i mean groups like mm. folks in the chicago business community mm. oh i'm sure the advertisements will be rolling in after this <laughs> one but. The following comes from (laughs) Illinois Politico, Chicago's business community, which had lined up behind Bill Daley for Mm -hmm. mayor. Yeah, that guy lost Uh, is grappling with whom to support for the runoff. Mm -hmm. Former prosecutor Lori Lightfoot or Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle both pitched themselves as, quote, Progressive, a word that sends shivers down the spines of business folks. Now that was from Politico. Uh, I have a quote from Restaurant Association President Toya. Uh, oh, I didn't get Sam first Toya. Sam Toya. Mm-hmm. There we go. Oh, Sam Toya. Sam. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, I hope Sam's listening here because Ben, we're going to see if we can help old Sam Toya out. Okay. Yeah, no here's Sam. here's a quote from Sam Toya. Quote: There's just a lot of anxiety, and we're trying to get our heads around which mayoral candidate will be good for the hospitality industry. The restaurant group is making plans to meet with both candidates before any kind of endorsement. Sam, we got your back, buddy. Benny J., which candidate, Preckwinkle or Lightfoot, will be best for Chicago's hospitality industry? Well, hospitality
1: industry, I presume you're talking about hotels. Mm -hmm. And uh, listen. There's no uniform position that all people in the hospitality industry agree on. It depends like where which part of the spectrum you're on. If you're running a small neighborhood tavern, I guess that's part of the hospitality industry uh, on, the, let's say, the northwest or southwest or south side of Chicago. You're a small business person, in other words you're not really getting the benefit of the regressive programs that I was talking about earlier. Smaller businesses get screwed over as much as uh, lower income or working class or middle class taxpayers. So when people say they're looking out for, let's say, the hospitality industry, you got to ask which end of the hospitality industry are they looking out for. For instance, hotel motel taxes were used to underwrite the uh, renovation of Soldier Field. Now, how did that help? Ren- using hotel motel taxes, or using taxes that are slapped on small on on, uh, on the hospitality industry, how did using all that money to renovate Soldier Field help some bar owner on the northwest side of Chicago? I don't think it did. So you have to ask yourself, who within that larger? Uh, industry is really being benefited. And I don't think the smaller business people uh, in the city of Chicago have been benefited in the past so, uh, from these policies. So um, I don't, I don't know. You have to ask yourself, to, you have to define these terms to see which one of these candidates is in the best interest of, of yourself. Any voter has to do that. You hear that, Sam? <laughs> Sam Toya. I remember Sam used to run a Leona's. It was over. Uh, it was a family-owned restaurant. There was a oh, chain I know of Leona's. them. Yeah, Leona's. I remember the one on uh, on Belmont. Uh, not on Belmont. It was on Sheffield, just near Belmont. So, anyway, I remember I remember when Sam Toya was a progressive, okay? He was like well, a supporter of Helen Schiller in the 46th Ward. I remember when Sam was a
0: progressive. Sam, if you're listening, we hope that helped, buddy. On to the Illinois Retail Merchants Association. The Retail Merchants Association worries about whether the candidates are committed to bringing in new business headquarters. Anything you'd like to say to the retail?
1: Absolutely. That's one of my favorite topics. Chicago will continue to support, will continue to attract, I should say, business headquarters to this. We do not, however, in my humble opinion, need to lure them in with property tax dollars as uh, we're trying to do what we try to do with Amazon, et cetera. I keep seeing every day, Mayor Rahm, or every other day, he... Uh, He sends out a press release promoting how this business is moving to Chicago, that business is moving to Chicago, and they're doing it, D, without a handout. So my suggestion to the business community is you continue uh, to... to draw businesses to the city without a handout by doing things like what? Standing up uh, on behalf of reform, maybe. Fighting corruption, uh, going against uh, conflict of interest, where aldermen who are the head of the finance committee also have property tax businesses, where they can then uh, force businesses or property tax uh, owners to hire them out to get lower taxes. Maybe that would help the business climate as well as a handout. So when I see the larger business community jumping aboard initially to undercut the power of people like Ed Burke, for one, then i really believe that they want to improve the business climate in the city of Chicago. You
0: hear that, Retail Merchants <laughs> Association? Does that help at all? No? I, I don't
1: didn't think so.
0: Uh, They're uh, not going to uh, invite me to their next uh, convention. Not the most sound advice here, but that's fine. And finally, it looks yeah. like those working in the real estate industry could use Benny J's words of wisdom. <laughs> A few in the real estate game uh, have come out saying that they cannot wrap their head around the candidate's policy positions. Lightfoot, for example, has called for restricting use of tax increment financing for development and limiting aldermen's power over zoning in their wards. And Preckwinkle supports rent control, which is a red line for property owners.
1: Yeah, no, those, uh, by the way, Tony Preckwinkle uh, was, when the campaign started, neutral on the big TIF program over Lincoln Yards. I noticed today that she came out for stalling for, calling for, uh, let's slow it it down, let's not approve it before uh, she takes office. Uh, Listen, handouts, on big TIF deals for upscale projects are pretty much unpopular in the city of Chicago, particularly in the North Side. Uh, and um, you you want to use your TIF assistance strategically in areas where it really needs it, and you want to use it if necessary for larger infrastructure deals to help the uh, to help rebuild roads, bridges, etc. You need to use it in a way that uh, helps. All people in the city of Chicago, all neighborhoods in the city of Chicago shouldn't concentrate it on a handful of downtown gentrifying areas that don't need the assistance in the first place. And I wish, I just wish for once that the business community In the city of Chicago would come around to this point and acknowledge the fact that it is unfair to concentrate so much of our economic development dollars on upscale neighborhoods that don't need it while we let so many other parts of the city fall apart. So I think it's good that at the very moment when they're campaigning that both Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot are at least giving lip service to this notion. And I wish the business community would jump in, uh, evolve to it, uh, get aboard this bandwagon as well, because I don't see how you could defend uh, so unfairly uh, distributing this economic development pie the way we have been doing in the city of Chicago.
0: So it seems like the jury may still be out, but I'll put the question on you, Ben Jarofsky. Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot, which is the most progressive candidate?
1: Uh, The jury is still out on that one. I have not made up my mind. I'm going to be listening to what they say, processing the information, bringing on different advocates for both and allowing them to uh, a step back. I have to tell you this real quick. Lori Lightfoot will be with Mick Dumpke and myself uh, this Tuesday at, at the hideout, 1354 West Wabansia. He's still got it. That's how you plug, buddy. Good job. So we'll hear uh, from her as to whether she is the most progressive.
0: And there you are, just like that. You're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago. And now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you. Hey, what else is news?
1: All right, let me tell you something. Okay. Something that uh, the editor of the show, Miles Porter, something that Miles Davis, and something that Miles from Nowhere, one of your favorite songs from the 1970s, all agree on. Love it. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We'll be right back.
0: Hey there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download The Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap tuesday through friday one until 3 p.m live streamed on the chicago sun times youtube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.sun times.com chicagoreader.com and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast yes the ben jarofsky show is back we're live and downloaded tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show and show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the Daily Chicago News and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny Jay, take it away. I will do. Uh, long time readers of the Chicago,
1: Chicago Sun Times are well aware. They know who Lynn Sweet is. She is a columnist for the Sun Times. She covers Washington, uh, Congress, White House uh, for the Sun Times. Uh, you may not know this. Uh, she is also a, a resident, excuse me, a native of the city of Chicago, uh, born and raised in the city of Chicago, so she knows about Chicago politics as well. I thought it would be a good idea to bring Lynn on and talk about what uh, Michael Cohen's testimony yesterday, but maybe before the interview is over, I'll ask her to weigh in on what ha- went down on Tuesday with our mayoral election. So, uh, Lynn, welcome to the show. Ben, w- welcome to you
3: and welcome to the uh, podcast. You're sitting in the mother. On the, on the street,
1: right? Yes, I am sitting in the mothership. They built me a beautiful little studio here, Lynn, uh, which is uh, somewhere near the just down the hall from the restrooms here at the beautiful Sun Times building. You'll have to come in and visit so, us when you're in town. Ta- when you're in town next,
3: well, I'll be in town. Actually, I'm coming into town uh, in a few days to uh, moderate a event at the University of Chicago Institute of Politics, where I'll be. Uh, Talking to a 2020 hopeful, Representative Eric Swalwell, the California Democrat who is thinking of running for president, so maybe uh, we'll see pretty soon. But wow. I wanted to say to everybody live. In the Westloops headquarters of the Chicago Times. <laughs> it's the
1: Ben drafty show. Ooh. All right thank you very much Lynn, sweet. That's a beautiful thing that you just did. Uh, all right Lynn, let's get a dive into it. Yesterday when I was on the air I, I missed most of the live version of uh, Michael Cohen's testimony but when I got home I watched uh, the recordings of it and I've been reading obsessively about it. Uh, what was your sort of your general impressions on thoughts? Of uh, Michael Cohen's testimony.
3: Well, he brought documentation to bring out things we did not know, and in his testimony, he said things that we did not know that's verifiable, and therefore, I thought he tried to sidestep. He didn't avoid the issue of he's a convicted liar, and he was lying to Congress, and that's what he got nailed for. That's what he's going to go to prison for. Mm-hmm. So. I look at it as as a valuable exercise because the Republicans could not do anything in defending Trump. All they could do was criticize and denounce Cohen. Uh,
1: What do you think the impact of—there's two fronts, I would say, legal impact and the political impact. Let's talk about the legal impact. Of what
3: well, the legal impact is, is enormous because what the public saw was just one of days on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. uh, where he has been testifying in closed doors to uh, congressional panels in the other days. So what he says to the uh, Democrats in the House closed session uh, is is to a panel that will probably will share eagerly whatever finding they have with investigators that uh, justice, you know, Senate panel is different. It's run by Republicans. Uh, still, whatever facts come out, and whatever the committee's release that uh, may be germane, the, the important thing that we found out yesterday, and actually it was through the questioning of Illinois Democrat, Roger Christian Ortiz, is that there are other probes going on in the Southern District of New York that we didn't know about. And we'll see where those go.
1: Yes, uh, that's what you wrote about today, by the way. Anybody uh, can read it at the Chicago Sun-Times. Illinois Congressman Grilling Cohen on Trump reveals there may be more wrongdoing. That's Lynn Sweet's column in today's Sun- Sun-Times uh, talking about uh, uh, 8th Congressional District Representative Raja Christimorti and his uh, questions that he asked in yesterday's uh, hearing. Before we get to uh, I'll get uh, into what Raja said, what about the political implications? Uh, the Sun-Times uh, had a column today by S. C. E. Cup, uh, Lynn, in which he said, don't forget he's a liar don't forget that, folks. Michael Cohen is a convicted liar. Se Cup, of course, is a conservative columnist, and she's emphasizing the fact that maybe we shouldn't believe everything that Michael Cohen says because he's lied before. So politically, what's your sense of what the political ramifications of yesterday's testimony were?
3: Well, what you see is kind of where you stand depends on where you were sitting, when you got up. So the two, multiple things can be true. He is a convicted liar but you could believe them on things that are verifiable. He brought a copy of the check. Uh, it's it hard to consider. When he talked about the racism of Donald Trump, that is hard to take to a court of law. That's hard for an investigation to reveal these facts about. So he took care to try and bring documentation to back up the things he said. So I, I kind of think that if... If you see him as a, a liar, which he is, you you have that opinion, but it doesn't mean you throw out everything he says. As you know, Ben, and perhaps many of our listeners know, federal prosecutors and state prosecutors often make cases mm-hmm. from jailhouse snitches, from people who were forced to slip. And maybe you know, look at look at what people get in trouble for. They think into the FBI, and they end up wearing a wire, and they end up getting in trouble. So the world is not a pristine place. So if he had some facts that lead to investigations, and it does seem like he does, or at least tips or clues on where to go, at the least his testimony was credible enough to provide more information to state of New York and federal provers are looking now very closely at Trump's business
1: practices. Uh, Lynn, you raise a good point. There's things that can be verified as opposed to things that cannot be verified. Uh, so much of our country, I have a sense, are in two camps. They either don't want to believe anything negative about Donald Trump or just say they don't care about anything negative about Donald Trump. Or they want to believe everything negative about Donald Trump. Do you think there's some middle ground where there's like undecided voters who might be moving in the direction of the Democrats away from Republicans as a result of uh Cohen's testimony
3: yesterday? I don't think there's any minds change yesterday the people kept not minds. Uh
1: in other but words, it's it is enough. divided camp. Well,
3: do you think I think it's being provided. I think politically, maybe this will energize the Trump base when they think that he's just a victim of a witch hunt, who see Michael Cohen as the turncoat liar, and maybe it'll energize the Democratic face to say, oh my God, we know more now even than we did. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm just not sure that politically this this will matter. Because we're so close to maybe actually getting uh, the Mueller report and learning more if there's more indictments, uh, learning if there's just more to come. So I don't think this alone is determinative. And what we had publicly was just a hearing on the Trump business practices, not on the Russia angle, which is happening behind closed doors.
1: I'm speaking with Lynn Sweet, Chicago Sun-Times columnist based in Washington, D.C. She's the author of D.C. Decoder, the column that runs in the Sun-Times. Today's column I urge everybody to read has to do uh, with Michael Cohen's testimony uh, yesterday in front of the congressional hearing. Uh, One of uh, the sideshows that emerged yesterday that I was absolutely fascinated with, Lynn, was at that moment where uh, Congressman Mark Meadows, I believe he's from South Carolina, uh, was offended. He proclaimed that he was offended uh, by um, Michael Cohen calling Donald Trump a racist. I had a hard time believing that anybody would be offend- offended by that. Well, he
3: was offended at being called a racist himself because he brought a, uh, because, and this is usually never done in a mm-hmm. congressional hearing where people give sworn testimony. Uh, he, he, he brought an African-American woman who had worked for Donald Trump who he had her position because of Michael Cohen hearing yeah. but the allegations of racism that Michael Cohn made. And so that took on a whole uh, life of the own too. I,
1: now, I was going to ask you about that. That uh, was a, a very bizarre moment uh, in, turn, in the history of congressional hearings. I can't recall uh, anybody asked to, to emerge from sort of the, the back right. rooms just to stand well, there and give, so, sort of just stand there and give evidence by Silent
3: just, testimony. Yeah. Silent, and, and here's what's wrong. It was silent, unsworn testimony, and he should have known better than to pull... I think it's not it, it, getting into debate of whether or not the woman was the prop. He pulled a stunt by bringing a, 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 somebody to, to in give unsworn testimony. I never want to say in the history of Congress or do a comparison, because there are humans all over the place then.
1: Yeah, yeah it's true.
3: And... It would be hard to know if anything like this ever <laughs> happened. sometimes people yeah uh, you know sometimes people recognize people in the audience you know they say we're talking about this or that issue as in the audience I want to point out to and so it suffers greatly and this law will help so anyway
1: yeah no that's a valid it's hard point enough to yeah. keep
3: up what happened without doing a comparison yeah. So can we talk about the mayor's race? I'm trying to talk about that.
1: Yes, again. let's. Uh, that was my next uh, quite, uh, point to you. Uh, let's start the mayor's race. Lori Lightfoot versus Tony <laughs> Preckwinkle. Did you have them in your pool, your betting pool, Lynn, as the being the finalists? I
3: didn't have a betting pool. Okay. Everyone in Washington was confused and why there is no frontrunner. And Washington, my, uh, people here who are interested enough to ask, because the only one they ever really heard of was Bill Daley, yeah. they he had a, a presumption turned out to be wrong that he was an automatic front runner, meaning he would make it into the top two. So uh, I, I am I was surprised on the Rory Lightfoot search uh, at the last minute, but it shows how unusual this mayoral election was where neither money or, or, or money alone didn't make the call. And you needed a multiple set of factors that Lori Lightfoot had to knit together the votes she had. Now, when I looked at the color-coded maps, I think as we look forward to this, for the moment it starts out as a bit of a north-side, south-side thing. Mm -hmm. When you look at where the votes were Tony and Lori came from. Ben, what do you think?
1: Well, I got to tell you, uh, I did not predict Lori Lightfoot would win. And uh, I was the surge of support that she received, Lynn, from the north side of Chicago, the old, what they used to call lakefront liberal voters. Uh, I guess that yeah, term is back. fading away. Uh, they rallied behind yeah, her. Come back. Yeah, the, the Marty over. We're going to bring it back. Yeah, we're going to bring it back. Well, I know.
3: I think, look at the map. <laughs> yeah. Look at the map. It's, something happened there.
1: Yeah. And what I do not know, just I do not know if she. Is going to be able to uh, pick up uh, support in those areas where she, like Willie Wilson, won in the black community in the West Side and the South Side, where Willie Wilson did very well. Um, that's where Lori Lightfoot, in my humble opinion, uh, can pick up votes, but she has to figure out a way to win over support there where she's had been very weak uh, coming into uh, the February election, to the last Tuesday's election. So that's going to be her great challenge, I think, uh, if she's going to beat Tony Preckwinkle. Um, and it's interesting. We were talking about this uh, earlier, Lynn. They're both trying to, to position themselves as progressives. And I'm still scratching my head as to what exactly a progressive means. In the old days, again, I thought of as liberal, but it's moved into morphed into progressive. In your humble opinion, how would you define a progressive, a Chicago progressive?
3: Well, this is my analysis. And that is you have a pro-union uh, standing on a variety of social issues in a certain place for the $15 minimum wage, which now already is done in the state of Illinois. Uh, You would probably, as a progressive, stand for increasing health care in the city. Uh, You would continue Mayor and Graham Emanuel's uh, uh, attempts to make at least a community college education free for everybody in the city. And progressive is not what you would necessarily think of in this presidential race where you have bigger issues because you still also have to just run this city. So your position on healthcare may not be as important as your position on how will you fill the potholes in my ward and when are we going to get the curbs fixed? So, uh, since I, in, in a sense, I think the dynamic may be more uh, of a. If this is a vinyl election, you know, you have to a back with go a little bit of uh, Harold and Jane. face. I think Lightfoot is going to cast Tony as boss, and she's going to run against the machine. I, I heard, I w- listened to her comments on election night. Uh, the thing is, usually you don't associate. Pure progressives would be the boss of the Cook County Democratic Party. So I think that's just a way it might start out, but there are many other ways to slice and dice it. The other thing is, it may be that I'm totally wrong that ward map is just a minor setting point because there are so many votes that have to be realigned.
1: I'm speaking with Lynn Sweet. Lynn, before I let you go, I I need to ask you this one just to follow up a little bit of something you said earlier. Uh, You're sort of an ambassador of Chicago in Washington. And in the aftermath of Tuesday, how have you been explaining the outcome where we have for the first time uh, the chance for a black woman—well, definitely there will be a, a black woman as mayor of the city of Chicago. One is openly gay. It totally goes against any stereotype I think people would have about the city of Chicago. So, how do you explain what went down on Tuesday uh, to people in Washington who are not uh, intimately f- familiar with the city of well, Chicago? I mean,
3: I, I have, I have uh, people who—there are a lot of reporters who are really very close to Trump because of his years in Washington and who kept up with him. We're still absorbing that is they're leaving City Hall and are interested in his next chapter. So I cast it in terms of that some of this is a reaction to the Ron years and to the day of the years before that, that every so often people really do want a fresh start. And I just go back to the 80s where we saw this happen, with the first the election of Jane and then the election of Harold Washington.
1: Jane that's Byrne, I think. yeah, Jane Byrne in 1979, the first woman and the uh, only woman uh, elected I, I mayor. I
3: said 80s, right? I, yeah. I was off by a year. One year. That's my theory. Yeah, that is what I've been saying. Until I have something that is or more insightful, I'm. Uh, I just. I, uh, I, I think, but we'll also find our two very determined women, who will have a very hard fought campaign.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Lynn. I appreciate you uh, calling in, and uh, we'll try to get you on the show when you're actually in the city of Chicago uh, next week, all right?
3: It could be soon.
1: All right. Very good. That's Lynn Sweet, Chicago Sun-Times columnist. Thank you very much. Big Ed Maher is in the studio as our next guest. We'll have him on when we
0: return. Hey there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question – You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap tuesday through friday one until 3 p.m live streamed on the chicago sun times youtube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast yes the ben jarofsky show is back we're live and downloaded tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Suntime studio.
1: All right. Yes, indeed, we're live. Ed Maher is going to be coming on really soon. Union man Ed Maher talking about uh, the election, talking about some of the issues facing labor, big decisions labor has to make uh, in the coming days, uh, which candidate they're going to support. Both of them profess to be pro-labor. Both of them profess to be progressives. Uh, so it'll be an interesting decision that uh, labor has to make and uh, maybe they'll duck and dodge it and not make any decision at all. We'll see. Anyway, there's a couple of issues before I bring it on that I really want to talk about. Uh, One, uh, Mark Brown's column today's Sun-Times, Joyce Daily Theory, the latest urban legend in Chicago politics. Folks, it's going to be a little bit of a deep dive here. Uh, I'm going to (laughs) get into the intricacies of Chicago politics. We talked about this briefly yesterday. I had a phone call uh, from a Chicago progressive, a long-standing Chicago progressive, urging me to look into the fact... (laughs) What was her name? Uh, I don't know if she wanted her name uh, oh, okay, okay. being of, used. I mean, no. I don't know. You know, when people call me and give me <laughs> tips, I don't like know if they want to be talked about. Uh, but anyway, uh, this person is a friend of the show. Oh, as a called, hint. yeah, a hint. Ooh, who could it be? Uh, anyway, uh, J- all right, here we go. Uh, Jerry Joyce, of course, was running uh, from the southwest side, 19th ward. Uh, he's the son of Jeremiah Joyce, longtime political operative uh, on the southwest side, very powerful. Uh, uh, Politico from that neck of the woods uh, had, ran a foul of Rahm Emanuel on some O'Hare contracting deals. Uh, Rahm gave the contract to a rival company, and everybody in the city of Chicago had the opinion that Jerry Joyce was running for mayor uh, to uh, ex- extract revenge against Rahm Emanuel because of the contract. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but everybody in the city of Chicago was a Politico, has an opinion, said, oh, that's why Jerry Joyce is running. All right, and then Rom steps out of the race, so you figure Jerry Joyce will stop. People have the same attitude about Gary Big Mac McCarthy. They always said the only reason Gary Big Mac McCarthy is running the former police chief is because he wants to get revenge against Rom because Rom fired him, threw him under the bus when the Laquan McDonald video came out. Get under that yeah, bus. Get, but let me drive it over you. Anyway, so as soon as Rom leaves the race, you figure Gary Big Mac McCarthy will drop. He doesn't. He stays in the race. So does Jerry Joyce. Here's the thing. Jerry Joyce did not run much of a citywide campaign, in my humble opinion. But he ran a very effective campaign on the southwest side and northwest sides of the city where he's strongest, particularly in the southwest side. Very strong get-out-the-vote campaign. Very good tactical uh, election day uh, effort by uh, Jerry Joyce. And I think he got somewhere like 7% of the vote. Maybe off there. I don't have the exact number in front of me. Uh, 7.3% of the vote. I it was pretty close. Anyway, so effectively one theory is that all those votes that Jerry Joyce got would have gotten, would have gone otherwise to Bill Daly. And so his position in the race undercut daily, and as a result daily did not make the runoff that is a theory that so many people have and they're, so they f- they say it as Jerry Joyce was like a chess piece in some larger game that was intended to undercut daily. so he went from being a chess piece in a, a game to undercut Rom to being a chess piece in a game to undercut daily as though he has no life of his own as if he's just a creature on a board that gets moved around by more powerful beings and so people are urging you, Ben take the deep dive look into Went. Who was controlling Jerry Joyce? Mark, Mark Brown uh, takes the dive in here, and his, he comes to the conclusion uh, that effectively Jerry Joyce was running the mayor because he thought he could win, that he thought he had a path to victory, that he thought by concentrating on those uh, those two areas of the city, those two corners of the city where he was strongest, he may emerge from this very crowded race with just enough votes to make the runoff. So it wasn't about undercutting daily. It was all about promoting himself. I kind of agree with, with Mark Brown. I don't see why, uh, Jerry Joyce in particular would, would undercut bill Daly. I don't think there's any love lost between the Joyce faction on the Southwest side and the daily faction. uh, and there may be, if you go to a restaurant and, and have a private conversation with the Joyces, hear a lot of mutterings about those dailies and how they those dailies think they're so smart and they've always kept all the goodies for themselves. You might hear something like that. But I, I don't think he has any uh, real reason to want to undercut Bill Day. I think he was in the race because he th- had a, saw a path to victory and he thought that if he had a strong Election Day uh, surgence, he could win. Now, look, got 7.3% of the vote. He didn't come close uh, to making the runoff. Uh, but um, he, he certainly showed that, at least on the southwest side of the city, uh, the Joyce name carries a lot of weight. And so maybe he's positioned himself for a future run uh, down the road for some other office. But uh, I am not subscribing uh, to the notion that somehow or other this was part of a giant uh, this is, uh, conspiracy Uh, what uh, Mark Brown calls our urban legend, the latest urban legend in Chicago politics. I have to agree with Mark. I do not subscribe to the notion that there is conspiracy and uh, that he was just a chess piece on a board. See what Ed Maher has to say. Uh, He's sitting right here. I know he's got a lot of ideas on Chicago politics from this neck of the wood. So we'll bring Ed Maher on right after this.
0: The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader, for a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader music arts and culture film extensive event calendars concert listings and more including weekly political columns from writers like maya dukmasova and yes our very own ben jarofsky the chicago reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com that's chicagoreader.com Hey, there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m., Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky show, J O R A is in victory s k y so let's recap tuesday through friday 1 until 3 p.m live streamed on the chicago sun times youtube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast yes the ben jarofsky show is back we're live and downloaded tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show It is Thursday, February 28th, and live from the Chicago Suntime Studios on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarovsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome the union man, Ed Maher, and we'll be joined by Chicago Reader columnist, Maya Dukmasova. And now your host, yes, also a Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjerovsky.
1: And also a union man in two unions. I'm, I'm in more unions than Ed Maher, I think. Yeah, just bragging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ed Maher is my guest. And uh, when I had the old show, Ed Maher, Maher was a regular uh, on my old show, and I'm really happy he's back here today. What do you think of this new studio, man?
4: I love it. I mean, I love the room, but more more than that, it's good to be back with friends. It's like you know, seeing old friends again, you both look like you've grown. We get to meet a new friend in Miles over here. Yeah. But uh, it's great to see you.
1: Yeah, no, Ed, and thank you for all your support. Uh, it was kind of a rough time for me in those first days. I got over it kind of fast, uh, but a lot of union guys stood by me and called great calls. Stand strong, Ben, we're behind you. And uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, all right, Ed, let's get down to business here, talk some politics. Ed Maher is a political junkie. Uh, with Operating Engineer Local 150. Let's start with your, just sort of your general thoughts Tuesday. I did not have, I've said this all along, I did not predict that Lloyd Lightfoot would make the runoff. I had a preckwinkle versus Daly. Were you surprised by the outcome?
4: I think, yes, I was surprised. And I think a lot of folks were surprised um, by the strength in, in Lightfoot's numbers. And I was pleasantly surprised in the fact that Bill Daly did not make it through <laughs> to the runoff. Um, you know, it... Watching in the in the weeks leading up to the election, as Bill Daly came out and said that he was a, a candidate for working folks, and then took money from Ken Griffin, took a million dollars from Ken Griffin, the same guy who financed, yeah, the same guy who financed um, Bruce Rauner and his failed, you know, anti-worker administration. So a group came together uh, called Fight Back for a Better Tomorrow and began to tell folks about Bill Daley's anti-worker history when he was on Wall Street, when he was with SBC, and launched an anti-Daily ad campaign. Mm-hmm. And once this happened, and it started to tie Ken Griffin, Bruce Rauner, Bill Daley, just all kind of the same thing. And once that happened, Bill Daley came out and said it made, uh, it made the decision for Ken Griffin to give him a second million dollars that much easier. Mm-hmm. So this group's take was that that by aligning himself with ken griffin he was taking a stand against workers you know because that's what ken griffin had sort of financed in bruce rauner's administration and the way that he argued back and put ads out to counter those ads was to go against workers with ken griffin's money but to say that that wasn't what he was going to do you know really really just beyond ironic Mm -hmm. um and i think that that got the message out to voters about who Bill Daley really is, and people aren't about that anymore. Workers in Chicago are, are they, they want to know that whoever is going to be the mayor of Chicago and whoever is going to be elected to city council, <clears throat> that they're going to look out for workers, that they're going to look out for middle-class folks, that they're going to look out for the neighborhoods, not just say it. I mean, that was the theme in a lot of Daley's ads, but uh, to actually go out and do it, and actions speak louder than words, and I think that um, Bill Daly coming in third was was a great example of action speaking louder than words and voters recognizing it. Yes.
1: Now, for an old-timer like me, that was an interesting moment in time. uh, uh, Let's follow me on this one. Uh, Bill Daley's father, of course, legendary mayor of the city of Chicago, Richard J. Daley, from the 50s into the 70s, uh, had strong union support. Bridgeport that came from Bridgeport when it was very much a working-class community is pretty much it's been gentrifying lately, but it was a very working-class community. The stockyards were right there, Uh, and the Dailies always had strong union support. The notion that a candidate named Daley would be so openly uh, uh, aligned with rich Republicans like Ken Griffin, who's Bruce Rauner's main funder, as you pointed out, and is a sort of a a a Koch brother Republican, Mm -hmm. vehemently anti-union. It's kind of staggering to think that daily would be so openly aligned with them at the same time. Ed Maher. Uh, Bill Daley was calling for a constitutional uh, amendment that would eradicate the language uh, in the Constitution that protects pension rights for uh, public employees. I found that it's staggering. You know, I'm like, wow, where would we come with the Dailies? i have never a big fan of the Dailies, I'll be honest with you, Ed, but at least I respected their allegiance of old man Daley uh, to the union movement and to the right of collective bargaining. What has happened in this town that Bill Daley would be running so unapologetically? Anti-union.
4: I just wonder if he understood the way that it would be perceived by workers. I'm not sure that he did. Uh, but to lead with that, I think just eradicates any kind of a support that you would have from public employees. Um, and uh, you know, looking back to the previous dailies, some of those public employees were your strongest, um, strongest assets, strongest soldiers politically speaking. Um, and to just lead saying that we're going to get rid of uh, this clause in the pension that pre- or in the constitution that protects pensions. I think that was probably uh, a little bit of a miscalculation politically. It would have been better to perhaps engage workers rather than just come out and introduce yourself by. Uh, as the guy who's going to come after their pensions.
1: Now, Ed, when you uh, came out strong against Daily traditionally in Chicago, there's two uh, forms of retaliation. One, there's an open form where they just publicly denounce you for doing it. And two, there's the behind the scenes one where you get the phone call where somebody calls you and be, What are you doing? How are you? G-? Cut that out right now. Did you get that kind of pressure, that backdoor pressure from supporters of Daily when you uh, began to engineer that anti Daily campaign?
4: Well, I, I'll say this. The the anti-Daily campaign was not um, was not run by the operating engineers, Local 150. It was run by the Fight Back for a Better Tomorrow. Uh, we were supporters of that movement, and there were many other supporters of that movement. Um, but, you know, you could see, I think it was in the in the Sun-Times that the day after the ad started to air, uh, Daily was quoted saying, you know, quote, it pisses me off, end quote, um, you know, and, and spoke out about the use of, independent, independent expenditures, which are, you know, often referred to as super PACs or dark Mm -hmm. money. Um, But, you know, when he was chief of staff for President Obama, he said a couple of times that, you know, you might not like super PACs, but those are the rules of the game. (laughs) So um, he didn't like it as mayor, but he was all right with it in the White House. So I think he was, uh, he was upset. But as as I said, I mean, his campaign centered on, um, what was it he said, just a I don't know if they market tested this, but he said, facts don't lie. Um, but I think that that went back to everything that was said about him in those commercials, about his past, about the things that happened under his watch at, uh, at Chase, J.P. Morgan, uh, with you know, fraudulently throwing veterans out of their homes and things like that. That was, that was, those were skeletons and they were in his closet and they just had to get out to the voters and they did. And when voters saw it, they rejected him. And he can be upset about that, but he did it because actions speak louder than words. You can come out and say, I'm going to be great for the neighborhoods. I'm going to be great for everybody. But actions speak louder than words.
1: That is funny. Facts don't lie. There was a basketball player in the 90s and the O's named Rasheed Wallace. Uh, when he thought he was unfairly called for a foul, and the other person, with, with the person he fouled, would go to the line and shoot a free throw and miss the free throw, he would say, ball, don't lie. Okay, so Daily probably stole that from Rasheed Wallace. Hey, Daly, give Rasheed Wallace a little credit. Uh, Ed Maher is my guest, Operating Engineers, Local 150. Uh, a lot of the trade union guys I know were really supportive of Susanna Mendoza uh, in this last run. They, um, they would always tell me, Susie, Ben, Susie, Ben. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time some trade guy told me about Susie, Ben, Susie. Uh, she didn't do so well uh, in this uh, campaign. And uh, what do you attribute that to, Ed?
4: You know, I'm not sure this was a, I mean, it was a crowded field and we're still internally kind of taking a look at the the different um, demographic voting trends and things like that. But I will say it looks like in this election, um, Latino, Latino voters didn't come out in the forces that they came out in, um, in the the midterms back in November. Um, And I'm I'm wondering if that has a a bit to do with it. And it just, it sort of turned into a, a giant money race toward the end. Um, I watch a lot of network news, and you couldn't make it through a commercial break without hearing from Bill Daly. and there were also a lot of um, a lot of uh, commercials coming from uh, you know Tony Preckwinkle as well. But I think it it just became um, you know a massive war of resources. Mm. So, but I'm not sure. I mean, we're still doing a little bit of an autopsy on the uh, on the Democratic voting numbers and or demographic voting numbers. So, you know, we're we're still kind of figuring that out.
1: And the impact of uh, Ed Burke, the indictment of Ed Burke. Uh, what impact do you think that had on the on the race?
4: You know, I, I don't know that that would have had any additional impact on her that it uh, that it had on other candidates that uh, that were kind of tied into that. So there were there were links between Ed Burke. Everybody who's ever been involved in politics in the city of Chicago has links to Ed Burke. Oh, yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. But um, I don't think that it, it that that would have harmed her anymore. That it would have harmed any of the other candidates.
1: All right, so now that's behind us. Uh, that's in the rearview mirror. And now we have the big decision ahead, uh, Lightfoot versus uh, Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, and just in general terms, what? how do you think it shakes out for uh, labor in this town? It's obvious it's going to be union people on both sides of the fence on this one. What are some of the issues that union, uh, union folks have to think about?
4: You know, I know that uh, Tony Preckwinkle's got a, a strong coalition of Union support behind her from from this uh, this previous election, including the SEIU and some others. Um, we've worked with Tony as president of the Cook County Board for many years, um, and we've been able to work well with her. I understand uh, Lori Lightfoot. I mean, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle both, um, you know, broadcast their support for working people and their support for organized labor. So it looks like we've got two candidates that are supportive of organized labor. Um, we don't have a whole lot of uh, experience. We've got a relationship with Tony Preckwinkle, not quite as much with Lori Lightfoot, but we're going to be looking forward to uh, to, to engaging in a, a bit more of a dialogue with Lori Lightfoot as we you know, come a little bit closer and make a decision on, on where we're going to go in this upcoming election.
1: Are, are, are you going to make a decision? Are you going to sit this one out? In the past, unions have sat out elections rather than... Get on the wrong side, if you will, back the losing candidate. Then you have the winner mad at you. Uh, that kind of or, or are you going to make a decision? Are you going to make no, an endorsement? I
4: mean, local 150 and most other unions are generally not afraid to not afraid to get involved and uh, you know and, and pick a horse in a race. So we're still taking a look. We're going to engage our membership, our executive board in this in in the conversation as well. But. Um, you know, we've, we've got to find out a little bit more about, um, you know, about their specific stances on various issues before we make a decision. And it'll be a, a very carefully considered educated decision.
1: What's it like in the back room? So you have all these different uh, unions with all these different Sort of agenda, and you know the teachers' union is over there, and SEIU is over here, and you got the operating engineers over there, and you're endorsing different candidates. You have different worldviews. The only time you ever seem to come together is when you all come on my show at one point or another. Should put you in the room all at the same time and watch the chairs fly. Uh, What's it like in the in the back room when all the different unions are there? Do do you like assail each other for backing the wrong person? Do you?
4: No, I I think there's a mutual respect that everybody has various issues and various concerns, things that they're more concerned about than other unions. But at the end of the day, we've all got more in common than we do apart. Um, You know, in our our fundamental beliefs that workers should be paid, um, you know, a a wage that they can live with a little bit of dignity on, uh, they should be able to have access to good health care, they should be able to retire someday and not be relying upon a greeting job at, at Walmart. Um, you know, we believe that if you work hard, you should be able to live. You, maybe not lavishly, but with relative comfort. You shouldn't be living in poverty, and that's the the fundamental kind of cornerstone that all of the unions in Chicago and really across America operate on. So, um, you know, we have that in common. We share that together, and that's the basis for our fight. So we're all we're all pointed in the same direction. We might have, um, like I said, little differences in some of our in some of our issues, but at the end of the day. Um, you know we have a lot more in common we're, we're united by much more than what divides us
1: my guess is ed maher from the operating engineers Local 150 big ed we call him around here we're talking uh, unions and politics what to look forward to in the upcoming election uh, ed came equipped with pictures of decaying infrastructure we're going to be talking about that the need to invest in our infrastructure when we return <laughs>
0: Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m., where can you download the Ben Jarofsky show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky show, J O R A. V in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at Chicago.Suntimes.com, ChicagoReader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. to the Ben Jirowski Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, Ben Jirowski here with the me, Ed Maher Operating
1: Engineer's Local 150. Before we get back to Ed, what you got for me, D?
0: Well, uh, we had ourselves a little caption contest on the Ben Jirowski Show Facebook page. It was in celebration of the new show and reaching our first 100 likes. We're at 300 by now. Oh, i, I got to send out some more. Oh,
1: reminding me, reminding me. Almost to 400.
0: Request. Almost there. Uh, now, for those who are familiar with our program, after Ooh. every 100 likes that we receive on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, we have a caption contest. I decided to switch it up here a little bit, Ben. How about when we reach 1,000 likes, okay. we will have our next caption contest. Right, How's that that's sound? That's a good idea. You that's guys just heard a little show meeting right there. We just do them live on the air. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. Uh, after every one, after every well, when we hit a thousand likes, that yeah. is when we'll have our next caption All contest. Right.
1: And that's when we give out the cars. Okay.
0: We, we never go give go away go cars. So. I mean, if you have a car you want to give away, that's fine. I got that blue Mustang. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah for the for Hot really, wheel. Yeah. Blue Mustang. But uh, but we do have captions to read uh, for the caption contest we did in celebration of our first 100. All right. uh, it's a Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel mm-hmm. caption contest. Contest. Uh, but thank God, not for much longer, Mayor Rama Manual Caption Contest. If you haven't seen the picture, please go check it out now on our Facebook page. Ben spell that last name.
1: J-O-R a V as in victory, as my beloved Bulls did last night, oh, defeating Memphis. All right. Wow. Laurie marketing with 22 points and 10 rebounds. Oh, and man. how about Zach Attack Levine with 30 points? How about that? A great game it was. I was really thrilled by v it. V is in victory. Oh, my bad. Uh, J-O-R A V as in victory. S K Y. don't
0: get used to that feeling of the bulls went into uh, too much, by the way. Uh, by the way, uh, I think it is one in a row. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a handful of you have left us your captions. You're awesome, by the way. Ben, let's read what captions we got. What do you All say? Right, good idea. All right. I think so, too. All right. So once again, the picture just begging for your caption is one of Mayor Rahm Emanuel. He's waving. Simply. Just waving. Also looks like he's at a movie premiere or something. There's an orange backdrop with a tacky white flowers in the background. Go check it out. Uh, but picture that. As I read our captions here, Van's caption, Van puts, Hey, raise your hand if your mistakes are uh, someone else's soon. <laughs> Very good, yeah, Van. Very good. Good, Van. Ne- next up, it's Monica's caption. Once again, Mayor Rahm Emanuel waving. <laughs> Simple one. Is he waving high? Bye. Who knows? It's up to you. Monica's post put, Damn, I thought this orange backdrop would help me blend in. But apparently, eh, they can still see me. They can still see you. That's a- <laughs> Onto Leslie's caption. Leslie simple one here. Bye suckers! (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately it's true you know, just waving by mm. all right uh, and you'll absolutely love frank's caption uh frank coconati by the way oh frank Co- my my trump loving friend frank coconati frank coconati put so long suckers i raised property taxes <laughs> put a tax on bags put more speed cameras up and filled all the city bank accounts for my man bill daily to spend it all on his friends and family <laughs> that is
1: what frank coconati cannot stand the dailies well <laughs> i could do
0: a whole show on that our dear face Book friend Patrick's caption is my personal favorite because it's a callback to this pop to uh, the popular Benjirovsky show clip that we would always play. Uh, I gotta go get that clip and find it here. But uh, Patrick's caption, you'll recognize it. Patrick's caption puts goodbye Chicago. This has been humbling. All I can say is I'm still smarter than all of you. Because remember, listeners, when it comes to Mayor Rahm Emanuel, he's smart. You're not. All right, Paul's caption is next. Paul Carr, Tiff you, Chicago. Oh, Ben liked that one. Look at oh, yeah, uh, let's see here. Let's do uh, – oh, Glenn just posted a picture of Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. Just says, hi, everybody. All right. I like we'll, Dr. Nick. We'll do one more. Uh, we'll right. do uh, our caption from Aaron Goldstein. Wait, we know Aaron, Aaron Goldstein. 33rd Ward, uh, Democratic uh, Committeeman. We know that guy. Aaron Goldstein puts – hey, because he's waving here. He's got all five of his fingers in the air. It says, uh, hey, please give me five stars on my Yelp review. <laughs> Aaron, that's pretty good. All right, yeah. so those are our captions here. Our uh, 230 guest, or Maya Dukmasova, yes. is going to be picking our winner. She has a list there, the captions, and she's going to select the winner. Oh, wow. Good luck, everybody. Oh, and by the way, we usually say on the Facebook page, give us a five-star review, Right, right yeah. Yeah, they changed that now. There's no fi- There's no stars. It's just recommendation. Oh, so they, I guess they caught I'm, on to us, Zuckerberg. Ah, I guess. Come on, Zuckerberg, <laughs> you ruined our bit. But uh, give us a recommendation. Oh, here's how we'll do this. Uh, yeah. Instead of five stars only, give us a recommendation.
1: Only good ones. Oh, there you go. Only good ones. That's a good recommendation. That's that's just for Facebook for for life. Only good ones. (laughs) All right. Very good. All right. Ed Maher from uh, Operating Engineers Local 150. He brought uh, Exhibit A, B, C, and D. And these are great exhibits, folks, for uh, the position he's about to take. Uh, one thing that Ed and I agree, and we may not agree on the Lincoln Yards development, uh, but we d- uh, definitely agree that there should be investment uh, in uh, infrastructure in the city of Chicago proving it. We had this happen right in the middle of the campaign, Ed. Uh, with the Was it Lakeshore Drive? The bridge it was a crack and all of a sudden people realizing the whole city could fall in the Lake Michigan at any moment. Right,
4: right. There was a, a bridge over that was closed over Lakeshore Drive and northbound Lakeshore Drive was closed completely for about a day. Um, but it was, uh, the bridge just South of the Chicago river, there was an electrician and he's going under the bridge, just doing some routine work, changing light bulbs. And he spots, um, a beam, a steel beam that's completely cracked. Mm -hmm. So they call out the department of transportation. They're taking a look. They find a second beam cracked. And then on one of the, um, one of the ramps that's coming from East Wacker, East lower Wacker drive, they find another cracked beam. So. This is a this is a bridge that carries about forty five thousand vehicles a day, mm. and it um, it's got two cracked beams. Two of the seven iron beams, uh, steel beams that that support this bridge were cracked. Now, one side of the the road dropped nine inches between sections of road. If that had happened in the middle of a traffic lane, mm. there would have been a pileup. So here you've got a bridge, and this bridge wasn't even one of the let's say the hall of shame bridges around the state of Illinois or the city. Um, This one's not even in horrible condition, and it drops. And such a busily trafficked bridge, nobody was hurt. So, I mean, take that as a warning sign. Um, And it actually garnered a lot of attention in the news, of course, because Lakeshore Drive is shut down. But it drew attention to other bridges around the city and the state. And the, um, the American Society for Civil Engineers gives report card grades for infrastructure. So Illinois' bridges got a D. Uh, we have 2,300 bridges in Illinois that are structurally deficient, um, and they grade them on, you know, on, on various categories. But one bridge uh, in particular—it's out in Joliet. It's an I-80 bridge that goes over uh, the Desplaines River. It's almost a mile long, um, huge bridge. Takes about 55,000 vehicles a day. On a, a rating scale of zero to hundred, it scored a six. It's,
1: it's, zero to one hundred. Scored a six. It got a six.
4: Not it's like out of my 10. SAT scores. <laughs> I thought they gave you seven just for filling in your name. Not me. It's just, that is a tough last name.
1: <laughs> I think I may have misspelled it. Ed. That's why you always just V for victory to help remember.
4: Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's a major problem. Six so, out of hundred. So God. this is something that as as an equipment operator in a road builder's organization. Um, you know, we we work with the roads every day, so we see this issue. This is something that we're constantly trying to draw attention to, uh, but it takes a crisis for anybody to to actually look at the infrastructure and decide you know something's got to be done to fix this. So, um, in the wake of the Lakeshore Drive failure that could have caused great bodily harm casualties, whatever. I mean, we were it's the same type of bridge structure and the same type of joints. Um, as that I-35 bridge up in Minneapolis that collapsed back in, I want to say, 2007 or 8, and I think 13 people were killed and over 140 injured. Um, it, it shouldn't take that for the state of Illinois to invest in our roads and bridges. Um, so let's take this Lakeshore Drive as the warning that it was um, and, and, and go to the legislature in Springfield and say, we're not taking care of this. You get what you pay for, and right now we're getting what we pay for. Um, our gas tax hasn't been touched since 1990 or 91, and, you know, our, our roads and bridges, the cost of doing business goes up. And, I mean, we we exist economically as a crossroads for, for commerce, for transportation. We're an infrastructure and transportation hub of the United States. Without that, uh, you lose development, you lose jobs, and you lose your, your standing as, as one of the crossroads of America. So this is our bread and butter, and we got to take care of it because— you know, Ben, if you what are your what are your parents' names? Your mom and dad? Uh Dave and Doris. All right, if Dave and Doris Jarovsky left you their house, yeah. they say, hey Ben, take the house. And you take this house, and for the next 20, 30, 40 years, you're just partying in this house, but you're not taking care of anything. One toilet breaks, you just start using another one. You dirty <laughs> up one room, you just you move into like another like <laughs> Pritzker. Oh, God, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> but let's just uh, say that happens. Yeah. And 40 years later, you didn't do anything to this beautiful house that yeah. your parents left you, and it's falling apart. Yeah. A bathtub crashes through the floor, and you're like, how did this happen? That's where we're at right now. We haven't done anything to upkeep the roads and bridges that we were given, you know, back in the '50s by some, you know, some some people with foresight, and yeah. uh, and
1: this is the situation we're in. Well, so. you brought some pictures here, and uh, unfortunately, we don't have our cameras uh, in the studio yet. So, show those listeners a, that those pictures, those pictures please. So we'll see that pictures. listeners, and see that
4: terrible. I'll try and describe.
1: Them. Yeah, all right. So let's start with this one. <laughs> um, this we're, one here is unbelievable. Uh, shot uh, and describe it, and then I mean, tell it where it's at.
4: It's this is a bridge um, over 35th Street, just west of uh, Sox Park. Mm-hmm. And if you, if any listeners are getting ready for the baseball season, when you're walking under that viaduct to go to see the Sox play, take a look at the support beams under that bridge. And I mean, really anywhere in the city. Um, and you'll be shocked at what you see, what you have never noticed before. So it looks like
1: a log that a beaver has eaten a almost, huge chunk yeah, out of. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's nothing left. Um, yeah. but we'll, It looks like it's going to fall. This beam is about to crack and fall any day. If, if this beam were to fall, it, I mean, would the whole bridge come tumbling down? So
4: if you've got a bridge with 10 support beams, let's say, mm-hmm. just for first example, um, and one breaks, then the other nine are carrying a little bit more of a load than they're supposed to. If another one breaks, then you've got eight. And usually when a bridge fails or a support structure like this fails, it's a chain reaction that happens very quickly. Um, so it, it depends on the structure. But if you look in that picture I mean, and, and look at a lot of these bridges, it's never just one beam that's bad. They might have something put in like a temporary structure to hold these things up, but generally as one beam goes, they all go. Um, And so we're encouraging people, listeners to the podcast and just folks around Chicago and around Illinois to look up. When you go underneath a bridge, look up because you're not going to believe what you see in many cases. Um, And if you've got your phone and you're stopped, like at a red light under a bridge, which I wouldn't do, by the way, (laughs) um, take a picture and and put it on Facebook or Instagram or uh, whatever social media you're on and use a hashtag look up. Because once you start looking up and noticing, and I mean, look at potholes too, but once you start really trying to notice all of this you're not going to you're never going to forget it and i don't stop under bridges i drive quickly under bridges if i can because it's just it's it's deplorable the condition that they're
1: in all right now uh, this essential infrastructure repair that we need fundamentally need in the city of chicago throughout the state i would argue um Usually gets overlooked by the glitzier, glamourier things like the Lincoln Yards deal or '78, which seems to have a greater splash. This is the basic essence of keeping a city going. That's
4: what government is for. It's one of the fundamental. um, I mean, even even you know, conservative Republicans. You know, I guess Eisenhower maybe was a conservative Republican (laughs) defined back in those days, but that was a core function of uh, of a strong government was to maintain a national infrastructure for economic purposes. Mm -hmm. But back then when it was built, it was after Eisenhower came back from World War Two and our infrastructure, our highway systems were built uh, as a tool of national defense as well.
1: So, in your opinion, should most of the funding come from the state? I mean, every single municipality in the state of Illinois probably has bridges like this, uh, of this with this decay, or roads with potholes, et cetera. Uh, should we spread out the the costs by doing making it statewide? Try to get more federal funds, or should we, with the situation we have, every municipality is in it for itself? Um,
4: so, uh, the simple answer, I guess, would be yes we should try to get uh federal and state funding uh there hasn't been you know one of the one of the planks of donald trump's uh, presidential campaign was fixing roads and bridges fixing infrastructure across the nation and that's absolutely nothing has been done on that his idea was to have a public private partnership where you have investors build bridges and then somehow they're going to get their money back which Mm -hmm. is a scary proposition um you know as a national infrastructure policy Uh, but in the state of illinois that's kind of where it starts and so as I said before, taxes are not popular, gas taxes are not popular, uh, but the gas tax hasn't been changed since 1990. It hasn't gone up. So the the revenue that it brings in, however, has gone down, I want to say, by almost 20 to 25% because cars are more efficient, um, more large freight carriers and uh, utility trucks and things like that are operating on natural, natural gas, and uh, folks who drive hybrids and uh, electric vehicles aren't using as much gas. I mean, the 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 nuts and bolts of this are that our roads and bridges are funded by the gas tax. That's Mm -hmm. the model. And that model is outdated, but it's what we've got. Um, And so uh, folks in electric cars are not paying. Folks in driving large trucks that are just tearing these roads apart, but they're driving on natural gas, they're not paying for the upkeep of the roads that are being destroyed here. So um, you know, we've got to come up with a policy and we've got to address this because, um, as I said, we're getting what we paid for. So we're calling on the legislature to, to take a closer look at options to fund our infrastructure, to, to really, to make the necessary changes. Not Stop putting band-aids on potholes, stop putting band-aids on cracking bridges, but to actually start to fix things. Uh, and the tricky thing is infrastructure, roads and bridges, they cost money. Uh, but if we can spend 100 bucks a month on, on cable and internet or 150 mm-hmm. bucks a month for our cell phones, I think we're spending on average about 20 bucks a month per active driver to drive on our roads. And it's like electricity. You flip on the switch, you expect there to be electricity. You flip on the water, you expect there to be water coming out of the faucet. Um, and when you hit the roads, you expect it to be safe and in so- some sort of condition where you can take your kids to school without smashing the front end of your car, or dropping an axle on the highway. And that's, frankly, that's what people are dealing with right now. So you're going to you can pay for good roads through a gas tax or you know user fees, or you can... Pay extra money and you know getting your alignment fixed. I have to do that after last week, and I drove through a pothole that thought I broke a rib.
1: <laughs> yeah, it may have been the same one I went through uh, Tuesday when I was uh, driving back from the reader. Uh, Ed Maher is my guest. Thanks so much, Ed. Operating Engineers Local One Fifty. I know we'll be talking about this uh, for for weeks to come. We put put some pressure on. Uh, Let me Pritzker. just say,
4: go to www.fightbackwithus.com. One more time, fight back with us. Com. All right. You can read a little bit more and send a letter to your uh, legislators.
1: That's Ed Mer- Ed Maher. Maya is on deck. We're going to bring her on, talk about Chicago politics. Ed, thanks for returning. Good to thanks see you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. All right. That's Ed Maher. I'm
0: Ben Jarofsky. We'll be right back. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher.com at chicagoreadercorp.com we have several advertising options for your business or organization and quite frankly we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it once again that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader C-O-R-P in Paul, dot com, to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky show the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Sun-Times we look forward to plugging you Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Benjarovsky show Live and Downloaded in moments. Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the Daily Chicago News and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. That commercial break's long gone. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the
1: Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live. Maya Dukmasova is in the studio with me. Ed Maher has left the building, sort of like Elvis Presley. He has left the building, but he kept these pictures behind of the decaying infrastructure in the city of Chicago. I'm keeping around to show everybody who comes in here before we bring my on, what you got for me d
0: well uh we have a question here on the ben Jarofsky show facebook mm-hmm. page feel free to leave us a question okay I didn't spell that last name for him j-o-r-a-v as in victory s-k-y it's a crazy one isn't it guys mm-hmm. j-o-r-a-v as in victory s-k-y and at benny j show on twitter oh before i get to this question though our good friend frank uh, for those who may not know, uh, Frank is a, a devotee of the Ben Jarofsky Show, and I'm happy that he found us here. Now, Frank uh, is a feller that loves correcting uh, Ben Jarofsky <laughs> anytime <laughs> He makes a mistake, oh, which is quite frequently. Frank, as Maya still, knows, you still got it, buddy. You still got it, Frank. What I do right? wrong now? Uh, Frank posted here. He put uh, Mark Meadows is North Carolina, oh, not man. South Carolina. Come on, Chiravsky. Oh, Sorry about that, Frank. My goodness, I, it's true. I,
1: God, that was how many? That was like in the two o'clock hour. Right? Yeah, <laughs> was, a long time ago. I'll Frank, what Frank? Frank still got Keep it. Keep him on his toes, hey, Frank, Frank. Tuesday hideout. Be there six thirty. Lightfoot be on stage with McDumpkey and myself. 6.30 at the hideout this Tuesday, 1354 West. Okay, Ramon, yeah. with
0: the plugs. All right. Here, so on to our question here. Our question comes from Steve. He's talking about Jerry Joyce. We were talking about him earlier yes, in the program. Jerry Joyce. Mm-hmm. Steve says, why would Joyce have stayed in the race? I know nothing. I live in the suburbs, not on the northwest or southwest sides, but it's not hard to see a reason. Yes, it was an anti-daily move, but not a move out of hatred, revenge, etc. It isn't personal, but why in 2019 should being a daily automatically put, uh, put one in the lead? If Joyce has any future ambitions, are they better served with a daily in the driver's seat or someone else? When I think of bill daily, I can't help but thinking about Jeb Bush, (laughs) a piece Uh, of dead wood to be gotten out of the way. Oh, say how you really feel. (laughs) It's a big daily supporter. What's his name?
1: Bill, uh, Steve. Oh, Steve. (laughs) No, nowhere near bill. Steve.
5: Same difference.
1: I thought it was Bill, but it was Bill Daley. Steve was, was talking about Bill Jeb Did he say Jeb Bush or Jeb Clampett? Jeb Bush. Oh, okay. I, nobody knows who Jeb Clampett is. Uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, good. how it was you know Jed. Uh, suddenly, everyone's correcting me. Hang time, millennials. <laughs> Wait, but two millennials
0: in the room. Of...
1: We're a rare breed. Uh, yeah, you are a rare breed, throwback millennials. Anyway, it uh, totally
0: was Jed. By the way, Jed Clampett. yeah.
1: Jed, J E D. Right. Yeah. I do that. Um That was just a joke. Uh Anyway, all right, you know, I got Maya in the studio with us, and uh, by by the way, Maya and I did a election night special from the reader. It was a gas. I had a great time. Five doing.
5: hours. Five well, hours. Oh wow. We were on for five hours. We were on for five hours. I didn't even notice the time go by.
1: Why did? Marathon. It was. I didn't notice it. T- I'll tell you, Maya's tough. It was a little room. It was, would was, you say, ha- half the size of this room that we're yeah. in right now? This is not exactly And everybody
5: issued. knows how big this room is. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> listening right now.
1: This is, I mean, let's show us, the, the viewers, with our- Show those yeah, listeners our, that studio, okay. please. <laughs> but it was even smaller than just when there were four of us in the room. And uh, at one point, uh, I think it was like 8 o'clock, well, I think I could be heading out. And Maya's like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Slams the door shut. <laughs> Tough that Maya.
5: People wanted us. Yes. People wanted more, more, uh, more of the show. So that,
1: that show was very popular. What were you, like you've had two days to think about it, Maya. What's, when you th- when you think back what happened on Tuesday, what are your general impressions uh
5: about the election or our show? Well, either one. <laughs> uh I think what happened on Tuesday is let me let's talk about the election because I think people are sick of hearing about us. Um, What happened on Tuesday was what happens when uh, you don't have a lot of very exciting candidates or even one very exciting candidate. Near record low turnout in an election that has been, you know, probably the most wide open in Chicago history, the most consequential election in Chicago history. Um, Very low turnout. And uh, I think the other thing that is so interesting is that this low turnout benefited um, not the sort of foregone conclusion candidates. Like everybody, everybody thought this was going to be a runoff between Bill Daley and somebody else. And you know, as we got rolling with our with our show on on, on Tuesday night, we had a few people calling in and commenting about like, well, what about a Daily Lightfoot, you know, matchup? And and I feel like both of us were kind of scratching our heads. they are like, huh, like. Well, that doesn't seem very likely. And then, you know, for things to turn out as they as they did, um, I mean, I definitely felt like people like people are now more excited about this election. Mm-hmm. I think that Bill having if if this had been a Bill Daly versus whoever runoff, I think that probably the low turnout trend would have continued, but Mm -hmm. I I am like slightly hopeful that now we'll see a much larger turnout for the runoff and that now this election is not gonna be about like, oh my God, we have to keep a daily out of, another daily out of City Hall. This election is gonna be about actual like issues. I think a lot of this is gonna be also about, you know, talking about Tony Parkwinkle's political connections, but I feel Mm. like overall, this, there's going to be a much more, this is like a much more nuanced race. This is, these are two progressive black women. It's going to be a historic win, whichever one of them wins. Um, But it's going to be, I think, um, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to hinge much more on like an actual analysis of who they are and where they stand on things and where, you know, what, how can we count on them behaving?
1: Yeah, it's interesting uh, what uh, Ed Mahart was talking about before you came on. Uh, he was talking about the aggressive uh, union opposition to Bill Daly in particular because Bill Daley, among other things, uh, had come out for a constitutional amendment, uh, excuse me, uh, opening up the Constitution so that you could uh, cut out the language that protects pension rights, among other things, uh, and, and unions— uh, gave money to, um, uh, to Mount Camp uh, ads and TV commercials blasting Bill daily. Uh One could argue, if one wanted to really be optimistic, Amaya about what went, went down on Tuesday, that sort of the progressive or leftist side of Chicago expressed itself uh, in that race by what, did, holding daily to, what did he get, 14% of the vote? The uh, pro, the anti-union... Yeah candidate the the one who was most hostile to the unions got what 14 percent, i want to say uh, even though he had the most money oh and the, i don't
5: know if he was most hostile to the unions of
1: the of the, of the all the, the candidates runner.
5: well of the front runners i guess yeah. who he was yeah. but yeah 14 points but you know it was interesting because did you see what um uh daily's campaign chairman said about the results uh um, so sam scott so, yeah, the campaign chairman, yeah. chairman he said um yes. that what was at play here he said the times have changed in the last couple of, ele- I'm quoting here. Yep. In the last couple of elections, we've seen younger folks, women, people of color have taken something of a spotlight. It's more difficult for an older white gentleman to relate to some <laughs> of the changes that yeah. people think they want. Way to way to get like patronizing <laughs> the electorate, yeah. patronizing the candidates who won all in one fell swoop. And I mean, this was an election actually where uh, the turnout among younger people was not as good as people had hoped and predicted and i'm sorry to say but your pessimism on that front maybe was justified although i really want to look this information isn't out yet but i i'm looking forward to seeing ward by ward age uh age breakdowns like which wards saw a, a good turnout among young people if any but overall this is not like this is not a youth driven runoff this was this was this was the same kind of um I think usual suspect voters yeah wh- who were not interested in building yeah this no in th- a white quote unquote white gentleman
1: no the white gentleman i, r- I remember saying gentleman. that white gentleman who calls white gentleman <laughs> you know it's like when people call white people uh, caucasian like,
5: who calls white people
1: caucasian it's like are trying to think of a nice way to say someone's white he's a ca- 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 caucasoid uh but uh, yeah no <laughs> i i saw that quote i thought it was bizarre like what are you saying like the bill dailies of the world are suddenly the victims you know what i mean they're yeah, like i know. mean
5: i just like i'm i'm yeah i'm i'm ar- i fell asleep reading this but yeah it's just it's so it's uh weak weak response weak analysis you know uh and i think that this whole you know as i said on tuesday night this whole uh, election has been like such a display of of um i think arrogance and uh pr- like sort of a kind of a privilege and title attitude on the part of bill daly and the fact that you know he, he came in third, just conceded right away. Like, no fight. He, there yeah. was no fight in him. He didn't care about fighting for this. I think a, a candidate who would have been um, taking the results less for granted maybe uh, could have potentially tried to, you know, at least not concede as fast. I don't know. It, it, it was um, uh, just a fitting end to a completely uh, absurd run for office by somebody who had no business being mayor of the yeah, city. Yeah, it
1: just came out of nowhere yeah. uh, and uh, thought that by virtue of his money and his connections and his name uh, that he would get elected. All right, but before we leave it uh, completely behind us, uh, do you have any theories about the Joyce Daily uh, discussion we've been having yeah, all day? Yeah, so uh
5: basically I was thinking about this Joyce thing and you know when you so the good people of City Bureau um, put together a fantastic uh like heat map, um, that shows the results. I mean, we've all seen the ward level breakdowns, like which wards went for which candidates, but, um, they have a map up that, um, shows uh, precinct-level breakdowns. And so the four wards that went for Jerry Joyce were the 41st Ward, uh, the 19th Ward, the 13th Ward, and the 20, wait a second, Sylvana Tabarras, 23rd, right? Yeah, 23rd. 23rd Ward. So usual suspects, far southwest, far northwest side. But when you look at the precinct-level breakdown of, of those wards, what actually won Jerry Joyce those wards was like... Fractions. Of those wards, so the precincts in the very, very, very most western corner uh, around Midway uh, of the of the 13th and, and 23rd wards, um, the Edison Park-ish area uh, of the 41st ward, which is the most conservative part of that ward, um, and uh, and then Mount Greenwood, basically, um, in the 19th ward. I mean, most of most of the 19th ward is Mount Greenwood, but that's that's the ward that had the most precincts in that ward. Actually, go for Jerry Joyce. So, I mean, you know what, I I just want to back backtrack real quick, like, what, why was Jerry Joyce running for mayor? What is this person about? Like, what, I mean, I think for most people in Chicago who don't have, like, a deep, long understanding of, like, the dynamics of Southwest side politics, like, Jerry Joyce was just, like, what?
1: Well, that's what we were what talking about. about. Was he like running as because he was a chess piece on a board uh, and trying to uh, undercut Daily? I don't subscribe to that theory. I think he thought he could win. That's that's where I'm well, going with and, it. And, and I
5: think he also knowing because he came out of the sort of 19th ward, uh, you know, himself. His father was the alderman there, and I think he probably senator. right. He saw an opportunity in appealing to people who live in the city who hate the city who live here because they have to, because their city jobs, which are pretty plum, require them to. But I have never seen a hatred for the city of Chicago like I do when I go to the Southwest and North, Northwest side and I talk to city workers there who are just seething with a passionate hatred for every everything about the city. They hate the people who lead the city. They hate the bosses in the city departments that they work for. And I think that a daily for them is like another person that represents the city power structure. And Jerry Joyce is one of, the, is one of their guys maybe maybe he's more appealing to them as like an outsider but not a progressive because these folks definitely aren't progressive so um i don't know he was the fop candidate
1: all right so (laughs) you you raised the the issue of progressive and we were talking about this early in the show uh, with dennis when we were doing the news how do you define progressive in terms of Chicago politics?
5: Not the way you define it, man. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I'm glad you're asking me this because I, I, I've i been thinking about this for a while. Um, in terms of Chicago politics, I think the notion of progressive is very, is like uh, changing along general, generational lines. Like to me, um, being a progress, like I don't know if... Like I would classify, you know, John Arena, for example, forty fifth Ward Alderman who just lost um, to a not progressive candidate, but John Arena, seen as a progressive, part of the progressive caucus. To me, he's sort of a, a left of center liberal. Carlos Rosa, to me, is a progressive. Um, I I define progressive as 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 a far far more politically left people who are much more overtly, um, you know, a. a have a custom, some sort of wealth redistribution platform, basically. Um, So in this race, I feel like a lot of people are competing for, uh, you know, the mantle of being a progressive, but an old definition of progressive. And I think that in Chicago, I think that the bar for being called progressive should be much higher because this is a democratic city. Like, no, you know, like, like, look, look at how well Jerry Joyce did here. And he's not even like, you know, he, he's not like the most right wing person you could possibly imagine, you know, like he, I I think some would even argue that uh, Willie Wilson could be seen as a more of a a, a right leaning uh, candidate with some of his positions than a guy like Jerry Joyce. But the point being like, this is already a democratic city. This is already a left of center city, the majority of the city anyway. And I think that to be called a progressive in 2019, like you can't be waffling about like lifting the ban for rent control or, you know, how, how you view like allocating resources to the police, like things like that. Um, I think that, uh, there's, uh, way more people in city politics fall to me fall into like just a traditional liberal bucket and i would not call them progressive. yeah
1: well i think that the word itself uh emerged because people were dissatisfied with the label liberal somehow or that become a pejorative on even liberals didn't want to be called liberals anymore and so we merged with progressive i agree with you the notion of uh redistrib- Redistributing the way we spend money in the city of Chicago, so that, for instance, our economic development money is fairly spent throughout the city, that is a very core progressive view. Very few people openly advocating that Maya in the city of Chicago. Yeah, or right like now.
5: taxing, you know, the 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 LaSalle Street tax, like any kind of like taxing the rich type of measures. And by the way, I do not like one of the analysis i I've seen about this. Um, uh, this was uh, from Ellen Mayer, who is one of the two co-authors of The Girl, I guess, Voting Guide, and Steph Scorer is the other, who we had on, on the show on Tuesday. But um, Ellen was tweeting about this uh, a couple weeks ago, and she had mentioned that, um, you know, to, the, the Chicago, there, there's sort of this other divide in Chicago about, like, good government transparency versus, like, machine You know, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that progressive like you can be good government, but not be progressive like you can be uh, about transparency and accountability in government and be an anti machine candidate, but be totally right wing.
1: Actually, I'm going to mildly disagree with you before we go to break. I think that if you're a good government candidate, you have to advocate for transparency across the board. If you start doing that, then you're going to realize that we're not running a fair progressive city and so a lot of times these good government people are awfully quiet about when it comes to like shining light on the way we do business in the city of Chicago
5: I got a rebuttal for you after the break
1: and we will have a (laughs) rebuttal why am I not surprised that Maya has a rebuttal we'll be right back
0: and and we gotta have Maya pick our winner of the caption contest oh forgot about that she's open for bribes folks we'll be right back Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarovsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarovsky Show, J O R A, V as in Victory S K Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live-streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. No snapping. Oh, sorry, man. Benjirovsky here. Thank yeah, you can uh, snap. Sorry, is Maya about to announce? We have Maya's going to announce the winner. Absolutely. Uh, big thank you to everyone who reached out to us on the Benjarovsky Show Facebook page. Uh, when we hit a thousand likes, that's when we'll have our next caption contest. Our Mayor Rom caption contest. Sorry to those who didn't get their captions in uh, soon enough, because mm-hmm. we're about to announce our winner once again. Everybody, imagine Mayor Rom. Simple picture, just him waving. Looks like there's a uh, orange backdrop. So uh, yeah, just picture that as Maya announces our winner. Oh, oh, sorry. Let me turn the mic Drum
5: roll, please. <laughs> and our winner is Catherine with Later Losers. Oh,
0: all right. <laughs> Catherine with Later uh, Losers. Congratulations, yes. Catherine. Hope you're listening. And uh, I will post the winner on the Facebook page. Catherine, congratulations. I mean, we don't have anything to give No, you, Maya but.
1: said she was going to send Catherine uh, $100 in her Oh, yeah, okay. okay yeah. It's Vin- Vin- in the mail. Venmo
0: $100 oh, coming. Venmo- yeah, you don't I mispronounce that again? <laughs> I don't think mail and Venmo kind of don't work together, but hey, thank you everybody, and uh, we hope to uh, hear from you on our next caption contest. All right, Maya, we have a couple minutes. You
1: wanted to have a rebuttal. I can't remember what you were rebutting, but it was uh, something. I'm rebutting
5: the notion that you can't be a good, like a good government candidate and not be progressive. I, I Basically, my point is that I think you can be pro-government transparency and be right-wing. Like... Every libertarian candidate out there for anything is always talking about being more transparent. And Anthony Napolitano, who is one of the people in in city council who has the most uh, non-rubber stamp record with the mayor, is somebody who is his entire political persona is built on being transparent, being responsive to his community, you know, being being in a lot of ways he speaks the good government language. All right,
1: well, I will believe that. When I see uh, Napolitano or any libertarian, any one of them, join me. In my crusade for truth and taxation in the city of Chicago. So, if you're listening to me, Alderman Napolitano, you're going to have a huge vote on Lincoln Yards in about two weeks. I want to see you get on the floor of the city council and ask Mayor Rahm directly how much is this going to cost the taxpayers of the 41st Ward? Maya, when I see that alderman or any alderman do that, I will believe that these conservatives or these liberals in the city council are actually in for transparency. Because I've been watching watching them year after year after year vote for these shady deals that pile tax on people in the name of economic development, and they lie, they distort, and they deceive you on how much it's going to cost you. So before I believe any of these people believe in good government transparency, I want to see one example one i've only been in chicago since 1981 i'm still looking for that first example all right
5: yeah but meanwhile i think our the surest vote against this lincoln yard deal is going to be with uh someone who's an actual progressive in city council like carlos rosa
1: who won by the way carlos uh won he was victorious uh let's see tuesday the 35th ward all right my we're i think we're almost out of time that's it Uh, I want to thank our guests today, Lynn Sweet from the Chicago Sun-Times, Ed Maher, Operating Engineers Local 150, and Maya Dubasova from the Chicago Reader, my partner in crime. We did a great job, if I must say so myself, uh, as Brianna Wallen said, we killed it on Tuesday night. And uh, Maya and I cut a deal. She's going to be a regular here uh, Thursdays on the Ben Derevsky Show, so I'm looking forward to that indeed. Uh, Miles Porter, outstanding job. We call him the editor. Then, of course, there's the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, the guy who wheels and deals behind the board, pushes those buttons. They call him the doctor. Good job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.